Welcome to episode 52 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Jason Minorski. Baseball's right around the corner. Yeah, uh, but they already knew that you were with Bryce Holden. That is true. Because of the intro. That is true. Uh, for our listeners, I, I guess it's weird for me to talk about that just because we don't play the intro while we're recording, but we do have a new intro. It is long overdue. Bryce is now officially ingrained in the introduction to every one of our shows each week. A big shout out to our voiceover guy, Mikey Kelly, for getting that done this week. Mikey, you're the best in the game. You make sure we have a lot of energy coming into every podcast. Uh, today is March 8th, which means... Today isn't March 8th, is it? Today is March 7th. You asked, you asked me two seconds ago. You asked you two minutes ago. Which means that baseball is only 19 days away. Opening day this year is Thursday, March 26th. And uh, that's pretty cool. Why is opening? It seems early. Well, they did this last year where they wanted to open up in March with the idea of players can have more off days. There's going to be less, you know, back-to-back-to-back sets where you're playing 9, 10 games in a row with no breaks. Um... And really, I think it was the whole idea is just to not be playing baseball in November. That's true, because uh, as excited as most people are for the baseball season, our softball season starting up real soon. Team Scatico starts up so, uh, next Sunday, March 15th. Uh, if you need something to do on a Sunday, you can come watch us play at East River Park or Central Park. They're bro- yo. Also, sign petitions. Do whatever you can to save East River Park. Are they trying to get rid of? They try to get rid. Please save East River Park. In, what would be in replacement of it? Landfill. Save East River Park and Back to the Future. It was save the clock tower. Now we're going to save East River Park. How's that for the pop culture reference you were looking for? Well, this is. I, I think of this is more of a civic cause. Well, I know, but I'm saying working in Back to the Future. I was thinking more. Uh, I think pop culture was the wrong. I, I think you and I have very different definitions of pop culture. We can discuss after. Um, episode 52, that means there have been officially a year's worth of podcasts, so that's pretty cool. Um, we're going to follow that up with the Bovada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. But episode 52 and Yankee lore, um, I mean, a, a couple players have worn it of note. Joe Girardi Ward is a coach in 2005. I'm looking at the rest of this list right now. Uh, Doyle Alexander Ward in the 80s, he was a relatively relevant player. Don Zimmer Ward is a coach for the Yankees. Um, Tony Pena, we did like Tony Pena. Tony Pena, good coach. Tony Pena is a guy I never understood why he never got another shot as a manager. Was he just happy being with the Yanks? I don't know. It just seems like he never really got an interview. Um, A player to wear it of note, Jose Contreras Ward in 2003 with the Yankees. I was always a big Jose Contreras guy. Jose Contreras, it's a, a big part of... The 05 White Sox? Did want to bring with the 05 White Sox. I'm trying to think which book it was. I want to say it was the Joe Torre in the Yankee years where the Red Sox thought they had Contreras so locked up and the exact quote was that the evil, the tentacles of the evil empire snuck into Contreras' room and got the deal done overnight right behind Boston's back. Those were the days, man. Those were the days. But 52, before we even name the player, do you think another Yankee will ever wear 52 again? I think no. I mm, I think it's a situation where he will get a plaque in Monument Park, and then if he's elected into the Hall of Fame, that will come with a jersey retirement. I agree with that, and I, and I also think it'll be one of those numbers where even if it's not... 
you know, explicitly retired. It'll be it's like, similar to A Rod. It'll be like Paul O'Neill in twenty one, like not retired. Well, they did retire it. I thought. I think I think they went. Did, I think Paulie got the plaque, but not the number. I thought they retired it recently, like a with a long gap. Anyway, before we get into baseball talk, fifty two. I have now switched this to my number for the upcoming softball season, and not for anything to do with the this Yankee we're about to discuss. But there's a restaurant in New Jersey they did not retire called Paul. Seasons 52. They didn't retire Paulie's number. Continue your end. And if you're going out to Jersey, if you have any pharma conferences, and you don't stop at Seasons 52, you're missing out. I was going to, before my spring break was derailed by the coronavirus, go on a nationwide road trip, hitting up every Seasons 52, from Bridgewater to Nashville to San Jose. They have these shrimp skewers that on the website look fantastic. They've gotten such rave reviews as, if I had to spend my own money here, I wouldn't. Thankfully, it's on the company. And that was enough for me and my coworkers to say, you know, let's send it. To which the boss replied, you will be fired on the spot if you go on a road trip to season 52. We think he's bluffing. So tying it all together... 52 for the New York Yankees is none other than the big lefty himself, the recently retired uh, CeCe Sabathia. And, and he's a guy, again, you know, we just talked about the idea of Will's number get retired. I mean, won a World Series, a couple All-Star appearances. ALCS MVP. ALCS MVP, pitched 11 years in pinstripes. And, and I mean, really in the scheme of things, I, I don't really see a situation where CeCe isn't one of the five best Yankee pitchers, starting pitchers of all time. Wow. Mm. I think he's maybe at the back of the list, but... You think he's... See, all right, I'll throw some names. Whitey Ford is the best. Whitey Ford. Pettit. I would go Pettit, too. Would you take Guidry and his few super dominant We'll teams? go Guidry. No, I mean, Guidry was only a Yankee, so I'll go Guidry three. What about... I'm going CeCe over Moose. What about Clemens? I'm going CeCe over Clemens. I would probably take Clemens. More rings, less time, more rings, more Cy Youngs. Only by one, but sure. But one over zero is a lot. No, that's true. Um, Red Ruffin. They always have... Yeah, I mean, if you want to go way back to, like, the Red Ruffing, Wait Hoyt, you know, way, way back, sure. You know, Allie Reynolds. I, I just think CC. you know, 2008, we hadn't won for a while. We hadn't won since 2000, and we signed CC Zabathia to say, get us to the World Series. This was the Garrett Cole signing before the Garrett Cole signing. And it was for about half as much money as Gary Cole. It was for, yeah, almost exactly half, actually. CeCe was, what, 161 and Cole was 324? Was he one, I think it was 168. Was it 168 or 161? You want to split the difference, call 164? Well, that puts him still over half. On That's Gary Cole. true. But not the point. Yeah, I mean, the point is 52... I don't see another Yankee pitcher ever wearing it again. Um, big shout-out to CeCe Sabathia. I mean, we'll always love you. And honestly, I don't usually plug other podcasts on the show, but listen to the R2C2 podcast with CeCe and uh, Ryan Rucro. They're incredible. You know what else I really liked about CeCe? My favorite CeCe memory. What's your favorite CeCe memory? I mean, my favorite CeCe memory... It's got to honestly be that 2012 playoff run. I mean, the Orioles were the plucky upstarts. We had won the division. And that series went five games. And I think CeCe pitched something like 17 in the third innings and two starts and just a 
absolutely put us on the back on his back to play for the pennant. I mean, granted, when he got in against the Tigers in the ALCS, he was just out of gas and pitching all year. But I mean, that to me, when you think of an ace, it's a guy who in a playoff series is going to say, "Guys, I got this," and that was CC that year. I think the best thing CC did in pinstripes was must have been the end of 2018 season when he was a couple out shy of hitting an incentive bonus, and instead of going for the bonus, dinged the guy. Just Against the Red Sox, no less. I agree. Dinged him. And that's the kind of teammate he was. I mean, if you want to talk the most impressive thing that CC ever did in pinstripes, to be honest, it's cleaning his own life up. You know, especially people who are in the professional media, people who are professional athletes and are in the, you know, sphere of constant observation. It's it's not easy to come out and say, I have a problem. And CC, to his credit... You know, he knew he was having problems with alcoholism. He faced it head on, and then he pitched another three, four years in the playoffs for us, nonetheless. Yeah, so outstanding guy, great teammate, and great pitcher. Were his was his best stuff. The best CC ever was was on the Brewers. Yes. So, like everything that I just said about CC getting us through a five game series. I mean, CC got traded to the National League, and I think finished in the top five of the MVP voting. He was that he dominant. Was, he almost won the MVP as a pitcher for pitching two months. Was pitching on three games rest. Uh, I mean, that that honestly is up there. You talk about the best stretches of pitching I've ever seen. It's probably I, I admittedly I we were too young. I don't remember peak Pedro. I think anyone who's a little bit older than us you know, 27, 28 years old, who was a little bit older in 99, 2000, they would say peak Pedro. Um, for me, DeGrom's second half in 2018. What about Arietta when he had a... Arietta. That Arietta half season. The Arietta, the Arietta half season was pretty special. Um, but I mean, CC with the Brewers down the stretch, it's so ridiculous that I need to pull the numbers up just to do it justice. In 17 games, he went 11-2 and two with a 1.65 ERA, had seven complete games, Three shutouts. He threw 130 innings in 17 games. So you're our math guy. That's averaging over eight innings a start. Or little it's under. under. Little, little under. It's, it's a little 136 under. would have been the answer. Uh, and he struck out 100. His case per nine. We're not crazy high, actually. 8.8, but a 5.12 strikeout to walk ratio. I mean, he got this team into the playoffs. It was incredible. We were at camp for when it started, but I remember coming home and just every... I feel like this is still at a point when baseball was when base when the NBA didn't reach the levels it's at now. Garrett Cole in the second half this year also has to be up there. Didn't lose, but Sports Center was leading off with CC. Yeah, and that's that says something. Yeah, I mean it was it was awesome to see him in his prime, and uh, I'm excited for him hopefully in the near future to get into coaching with the New York Yankees. Is that his goal? No, but I know the team, it sounds like, has a standing offer for him. As a coach or like a... Whatever. Like a I just think position. he's a good guy to be have around the team. I'd agree with that. All that said, Bovada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. We got three games to pick this week. The first one, which is between the Chicago White Sox and the San Francisco Giants. Pitching matchup on that one is Dallas Keuchel and Trevor Cahill. Who knew that he was still in baseball, let alone on the Giants? <laughs> um... Pavada has that at plus one and a half, minus 170, plus 120 for the White Sox, minus one and a half, plus 135, minus 145 for the Giants. Give me Keiko plus 120. The Giants do not have a ton of offense, and I think for a ground ball specialist, that bodes well. 
I like where your head's at, because I think Cahill is a duty pitcher, and Keuchel has a Cy Young at home. So you want to talk about guys, when we say the expression, are they still in baseball? Rockies are visiting the Dodgers today. Ubaldo Jimenez, is he starting? He is starting today. Ubaldo and David Price uh, for the Dodgers. Nevada has just a plus one and a half, minus 115, plus 160 for the Rockies. Minus one and a half, minus 110, minus 200 for the Dodgers. If you want to talk strictly about incredible halves of baseball seasons. Ubaldo's first half. I think Ubaldo 2010 was like just out of control. Who do you who do you have in this game? I, I think I got to take the Dodgers I gotta, minus one and a half. I know you love Ubaldo. But. I mean, I'm taking Ubaldo because I don't know how many more chances I will have to take Ubaldo Jimenez. Because you said he... I don't think he's pitched since 2017. Hasn't pitched in the bigs the past two years, correct. So, this was a long shot. So, take him while you can. Or, smart gamblers out there, the people who are taking Bovada for all their money, uh, probably fade Ubaldo while you still have the opportunity. So, I mean, Ubaldo, you mentioned that first half. This is... And in 2010, the NL Cy Young was... Roy Holiday. Roy Holiday. But... This is how mediocre his second half was, that this first half didn't lead to a Cy Young. Oh, God. 18 games, three complete games, two shutouts. I think a no-hitter in there. 113 strikeouts uh, in 127 innings, and he was 15-1 and with a 2-2 ERA. Yeah, usually you can already second make half, room in the trophy case. Second half, for what it's worth, he was 4-7, and 3-8 ERA, 1.299 whip. Yeah. So let's hope he didn't make room in his trophy case. Yeah, it would be a bad investment if he did. Last game we're going to pick is going to be the Rangers at the Brewers. Kyle Gibson and Brett Anderson on the hill for the respective teams. Two new, uh, two new pitchers for those teams. Uh, we have the Rangers at plus 1.5, minus 180, plus 105. And Bavada has the Brewers minus 1.5, plus 145, minus 130. I'm really high on Kyle Gibson. Um, I think he's a guy... Kind of like a Zach Wheeler light, obviously, to get paid as such. But it seems like with the spin rate and everything, it's a lot of untapped potential there. Ultimately, who knows what the fuck I'm talking about. I just believe what I read. Uh, so give me the Rangers plus 105 on this one. Give me the Brewers. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot of Brewers stuff coming up. In about two minutes, yes. In about two minutes. Um, I like their team. I just kind of like the Brewers. Quick aside, I, so I was watching the R2C2 podcast uh, this week. They did like a live one. And they had uh, Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray on. Have you ever heard Sonny Gray talk? Does he kind of talk like this? Dude, he is a full-on fucking hick. Oh, yes, I have heard. He talk- He does have the... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's packing a dinger when he's, uh, when he's talking. He is a full-on hick. And uh, The Athletic this week, Ken Rosenthal wrote an article revisiting that Sonny Gray trade. Is hick a slur? I, I don't know. Probably. Maybe you shouldn't use it then. But it was a whole article revisiting that Sonny Gray trade that the Yankees and the A's made. Again, we got Sonny Gray, and at the time, three of our top prospects, James Caprillion, Dustin Fowler, and Jorge Mateo, went to Oakland. And you just talk about a trade that did absolutely nothing for either team. It hurt us. He was a... Sonny Gray was a liability with the Yankees. That first 2017 down the stretch, though, he was fine. Yeah, but that package would have gotten us... That probably gets us Verlander in 2017. I would say it almost definitely gets us Verlander. Or at a minimum, puts you in the discussion for Cole in the offseason. So there you go. Caprillion and Fowler were both, I believe, first-round picks. Caprillion, I know for sure, was because he was a Bruin. 
You got a lot of school spirit today, Chase. Bruins are playing for the Pac-12 title, 3.15 Eastern time, 12.15 Pacific time against that school that has the admission scandal at the moment. And the TA cheating scandal. Shout out to one of our guests, Bennett Sanders. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so you mentioned we are going to talk about the Brewers. Um, and the Brewers did something very unlike the Brewers this week and for any very unlike anything for a mid-market team like them. Um, they locked up a superstar in the post-arbitration years to a long-term deal. Christian Yelich, who I think we would both agree, unquestioned top three player in baseball this year. MLB Network had him at two. So MLB Network had him as a number two player in baseball. And if he doesn't get hurt down the stretch, there's a good chance he actually is number one. Nine-year, $215 million extension with a player option for the 10th year. Um, the contract itself is going to go from 2020 to 2028. Um, but in terms of new money, that's going to be from 2022 to 2028. Um, Yelich is already guaranteed $27.75 million through 2021, which puts the money in the new, the new money in the deal at seven years in $188.5 million. Um, the pre-existing club option that the team had for 2022, that is being torn up and replaced by the new extension. Uh, and the craziest part of all of this is on top of it, um, there is already $28 million in deferrals on this deal. Um, it absolutely dwarfs the former free agent record, uh, which was given to Ryan Braun's five-year, $105 million contract for the Richards team history. And correcting myself, that wasn't just in free agency. That was the biggest contract ever in Brewers history. Um, again, Yelich the past two years has won a pair of batting titles. He's hit a combined 327, 415, 631 with 80 homers, 63 doubles, 10 triples, and uh, and 52 steals and 58 tries. So a sneaky base runner. This past season, he led the league not only in batting average, but also in on-base, slugging, and OPS. Um, again, if he doesn't get injured, maybe he wins the MVP again this year over Cody Bellinger. I think he would have. Uh, I totally agree. Um, and per Max Goldstein on Twitter, uh, if you look at where Yelich ranks since he joined the Brewers among qualified National League position players, He's first in Fangraphs War, first in WRC+, first in Weighted on Base Average. Uh, he's first in Average, first in On Base, first in Slugging, and first in Isolated Power. Um, so basically, Yelich has been unquestionably the best hitter in the National League over the past two years. Uh, in terms of if you just look at the new money, the seven years, $188.5 million. It's an average salary of about $27 million for Yelich's age 30 to 36 seasons. Uh, and 14 players currently average more than that, and they are Garrett Cole, Mike Trout, Strasburg, Anthony Rendon, Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Nolan Arnato, Miguel Cabrera, David Price, Kershaw, Scherzer, Machado, Ioannis Cespedes, and Jacob deGrom. And a lot of people are wondering, well, why would Yelich take this discount? Sounds like he wanted to be in Milwaukee, and at the end of the day, he didn't really have a ton of leverage because if that option year was still there, he was getting paid at three years uh, for $41.5 million through 2022, uh, and he wouldn't be hitting free agency until 31. All that said, though, the Brewers absolutely crushed it here. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, yeah, it's just been great for the last two years. Uh, down the line, are they going to regret this in 2030? I think maybe. I don't know, though, because, again, to me, like a 10-year – like a big deal like this, you know, you sign a guy through an age 38 season, that's like old, but you could still be a productive corner outfielder at that age. Yeah, I mean – and again, he seems happy in Milwaukee, and that's the big thing. If you're happy in a place, don't bother leaving the place. If you can get paid, you don't have to worry about it for another decade. No opt-out, no trade clause. So he'll be there. 
And maybe, uh, maybe it's like a, it was a brewer saying, yo, Bucks, sign Giannis. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and I give the Brewers credit because I think for Brewers fans this offseason, you know, it's definitely been a tough offseason. You saw Moustakas leave. You saw Grandal leave. You know, there weren't a ton of major upgrades. This, though, you lock in. You're facing the franchise and pretty much almost guarantee that he's going to retire as a Brewer. Uh, and Yelich is a guy who in the past, you know, he's shown I think he would rather have financial security in the biggest deal possible. Um, that seven-year, $49 million extension that he initially signed with the Marlins. Um, had he not signed that, he would have hit free agency at age 28, coming off of that 2019, uh, 2018 MVP season. Well, that's probably an oopsie. But again, I think he just he would rather have had, because again, $50 million is life-changing money. He would just rather have the security up front. And in Yelich's case in particular, you know, he did get hurt down the stretch this year. I, I wouldn't buy. I any think it was means, a fluke injury. I agree. I wouldn't by any means consider him an injury-prone player, but now at least he knows, you know, if he gets hurt, I got all this money guaranteed no matter what. Yeah, if you can sign up for uh, $200 million anywhere, probably good. Probably so, the right idea. So now we're going to do some player comparison right now. Uh, player A and player B. Ooh. Do player, I know the players? You're going to pick it up pretty quickly, but just wait till I'm done. Player A debuted at 21 years, 230 days. Player B debuted at 21 years, 265 days. So far the same. As a rookie, player A slash 288, 370, 396, and player B slash 291, 368, 444. Very similar players. In years 2, 3, and 4, player A's OPS, 120, OPS plus was 123. Player B's was 120. Player A's fifth season was more of the same, while player B won an MVP. Player B's sixth season was quite excellent. That was the giveaway. Whereas player A won an MVP. Player A is going to make around $240 million by the time he turns 37. Player B is going to make well over $400 million by the time he turns 37. Do you think there was any piece of Christian Yelich? Player A is Mookie Betts, in case you couldn't pick that up at this point. Um, you know, Mookie, to his credit, he has rejected extension after extension. Uh, and in arbitration, he got $10.5 million uh, his first year, last year $20 million, and for this season $27 million. Um, Yelich, for what it's worth, they think he would have made four, eight, and eighteen million. So not astronomical amounts, but that averages out between the three to ten million a year, which is more he's more on average than he was making with that seven-year extension. If Yelich hit the free agent market, even at thirty-one, and Rendon got seven for two forty-five at a similar age, is there any doubt Yelich was getting at least ten for three fifty? Yeah, it's uh, the injury. That one injury, it's. That one injury and that a lot of his productions come late. But 10 for, 10 for 350 is crazy. The only people that have gotten 10 for 350 are... I mean, Cole, when all is said and done, will take his... We'll say Cole... 10 for we'll say Cole... Harper didn't get that. Machado didn't Machado get, didn't get Trout that. Trout got it. Trout, Trout got, got it. Trout's, Trout's the only one that's got Trout it. Trout got 10 for 365 in new money. So that's an absurd amount of money. But uh, he probably would have gotten in the Rendon, Strasburg ballpark. And I think the flip side of this is, can we now pretty much all but guarantee Mookie's going to get $400 million, I think. I think the Dodgers are going to give him $400 million. All My final point that ties this all together, and I think I might have even texted you about this when I heard the Yelich extension, the biggest loser in all of this 
is the Cleveland are the Cleveland Indians. Oh, they got nothing on the door. Because the Milwaukee Brewers you know, Milwaukee by no means is a major it's a mid market similar to Cleveland. <clears throat> and they found the money to pony up for Yelich. Again, Yelich did take a discount. He is going to be a little bit older. But like we just said, this was an extension that was given to the guy that people literally voted on as the number two player in all of baseball. And if you're the Indians and you're an Indians fan, you're looking in the mirror and say, well, why can't we as a similar mid-market team pony up to pay Francisco Lindor, even though, again, it is going to be for more money? I mean, they're going to trade Lindor. They're probably going to trade Lindor to the Dodgers. And then the Dodgers are going to have to end up paying Lindor and Betts. And Bellinger. But that's a problem you'd want to have. That seems like a good problem to Could have. you imagine having three $300-plus million contracts on your roster? Because if they trade for Lindor, I think that is going to be the floor. Yeah, Lindor's a $300 million player. Um, and then eventually you're going to have to pay Walker Bueller. Yeah, but I think they might just... <laughs> I don't know if Kershaw is going to be a Dodger for life. Definitely not at the $31 million a year they're paying him now. You can't. No, I think Kershaw's done with the big contract. But as a sleeper NL Cy Young pick, Clayton Kershaw. He was good last year. I think people just have that, you know. If his ERA is above two, it seems like a failure for him. It's true. I think it was in the low threes. He won like 17 games. He had a good year. Made the All-Star team. Yeah. So I think, I actually think that would be my bet for NL Cy Young. So now the last thing we'll talk about with the Yelich contract, now that Yelich is signed, you know, Lindor, even if it's not with the Indians, what do you think this pushes Lindor's floor to, given that he is playing what many people consider to be the most important position on the field, shortstop? Um, you'd have to look to infield comps. You'd probably look to the Rendon contract and say, if Rendon is seven for 245, He's going to go in asking 10 for 3. I think he'll get it. It's 10 for 3. I think Lindor at free agency will have a much more well-rounded case than Manny Machado. Um, I think from an on-field productivity standpoint, and plus everybody loves Lindor. Not everyone loves Machado. Not everyone loves Machado, and he got 10 for 300. So I think the Machado is going to be the floor for Lindor. All right, that's a better, that, that's more accurate. What is the floor for Lindor? Machado. Machado. Machado, see. Uh, that's the pop culture I was asking for earlier. New song. Can we make that our intro song? Machado. 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 You gotta win the Machado. I think somehow we gotta get pools in there too, though. Maybe you have someone in the background scratching like, pools. Yeah, we know that. We have that sort of, uh, we have that sort of resources at our disposal. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Jack Lizard. Jack Lizard. Uh, another guy who just signed an extension, and we've consistently talked about how the White Sox, seems like they did everything right this offseason. Every need that they had, they filled it on some level. Needed a catcher, they got Grandal. Got the best one available. Needed a first baseman, they got a Bray. Needed some more thump, Edwin Encarnacion. Wanted to lock up young guys, Luis Robert. Needed a corner outfielder, traded for Nomar Mazzara. Veteran arm, Keiko. Veteran arm, Dallas Keiko. And Gio Gonzalez I'll throw in there. I mean, Gio's a guy who, at a minimum, will be a, a good veteran innings eater at five. Um, they locked up Eloy Jimenez. Luis Robert was the next one. And now the White Sox have locked up Yohan Moncada. Five-year, $70 million extension that runs through the 2024 season and includes a club option for the 2025 season. 
Uh, the breakdown is as follows. 4 million signing bonus, 1 million in 2020, 6 in 21, 13 in 22, 17 in 23, 24 in 24. That rolls off the tongue well. And a 25 million option for 25, 25, for 2025. That comes with a $5 million buyout. Uh, Moncana, uh, he came over in the Chris Sale trade, him and Michael Kopesh, which, again, I know the Red Sox won the World Series, so they had to make that sale trade. Um, but that's looking like it's going to be an unbelievable long-term haul for the White Sox. Yeah, those two have as much upside as anyone. I mean, Moncada, when he came from Cuba, was supposed to be unworldly. Yeah, I mean, he got a $31.5 million signing bonus just to come over from Cuba with the Red Sox. And Kopech is hitting 100 on the gun, or at least pre-Tommy John. And I think he will get back there post-Tommy John. So, yeah, White Sox, their front office, they kind of sleep for every 15 years, but they're back. Yeah, so Moncada struggled a little bit uh, in 2017 and 2018, but again, he was the number one prospect in baseball at one point. Last year, he broke out to hit 315, 367, 548, 25 home runs over 599 plate appearances. Defensively, StatCast had him a plus five infield outs above average. Um, and all that said, it wasn't all good news for Moncada. He did post the lowest walk rate, 7.2% of his career in Chicago. Also benefited from a 406 batting average on balls in play. Um, all that said, though, he's 24 years old, has so much potential in front of him. Uh, and this was his final pre-arbitration season, so that extension will cover um, his last pre-arbitration year this year. All three arbitration and buyout at least his first free agent uh, season. And if the White Sox exercise the 2025 option, he'll still hit free agency as a 31-year-old. Um, again, the White Sox, this has just been a very savvy offseason for them where, you know, even if this tops out at 6 for 90, that's only $15 million a year. That is really a good value for a guy like that. Yeah, it's really good. And the arbitration numbers only seem to be going up for the uh... – for these elite level players. Mookie got 27. And I think the White Sox with that $25 million option are saying you have that upside in you. So when it comes to an arbitration, they probably they bought it out for, on average 14. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's good value. I agree. And, and I think this is a, you know, we talked about how terrible like the Ozzy Albies deal, like these are the contracts and even the Yelich deal. We were talking about how bad that is. Like, these are the contracts that I think where if a player could still hit free agency at 29 to 31 years old and guarantee himself $15 million from his pre-arbitration years and through three all three arbitration, to me, these are the contracts that young guys should sign. Yeah, it seems like a win-win as long as they're happy and comfortable. Yeah, where it's like you might not hit free agency as early as you would, but you're still guaranteeing yourself a substantial amount of money. Yeah, you're getting a heavy amount of money up front. Like you said, life-changing money up front to be in a place you're comfortable to not have to go through that arbitration process, which seems like an absolute burden on players and does nothing but create divides between them and the team. So if you can buy out still at the market before 30, it's a good move. Two injuries in the AL East, the first of which uh, is Chris Sale. He is not getting Tommy John surgery. Dr. James Andrew did look like the elbow, um, but he has been diagnosed with a flexor strain, manager Ron Renicky told reporters. He'll be shut down from throwing until next week, and even then will be limited to simply paying catch. The next steps will depend on how he responds to that activity, but Renicky does know that sales uh, UCL looks the same as the last image. 
Um, the Red Sox still owe Sale $145 million over the next five seasons, and the last time he faced live hitters was on August 13th, giving up five runs with 12 strikeouts over six and a two-thirds innings in a win at Cleveland. Last year, he was 6-11, 4-4 ERA in 25 starts. Um, Renicky said doctors have advised him to wait another week before he starts throwing again. Start playing catch if everything is good. Well, we'll progress. I, I just a guy like Sale. This really worries me as a Red Sox fan, just because you're not a Red Sox fan. I said sorry if I was a Red Sox fan. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, I spoke too quickly there. Should I edit that out? No, it's okay. It's it's, it's all part of the game. Um, this just worries me because Sale, Sale's body. He's like Plank from Ed, Ed and Eddie. He's also like one of the Eds. He's yeah. He's six seven and like one hundred seventy pounds. The human body is not meant to be like that. Um, and, and I think, you know, he's about to be on the wrong side of 30 and it's just a guy like that with his build to me, elbow problems are just exacerbated way more. I love the use of exacerbated. Yeah. Thank you. But it's, uh, I don't know. Is it, is it that much of a, of an issue being tall when it's an elbow injury? I think you'd be more concerned if it's a leg thing. I just think with him, there's just no, there just seems to be no muscle. He doesn't need it. He's uh, unbelievable at pitching. I mean, this is a guy who threw so many innings for the White Sox before he came over to Boston. You just hope it's not a, If you're a Red Sox fan, you just hope it's not like a Felix Hernandez-type situation where, you know, he dominates through age 29, age 30, and gets paid based on that. And then, you know, it's just never the same because the, the innings and the tread on the tires just starts to add up. Yeah. Um, that'd be, again, I think Red Sox fans, as I've said before on this show, Red Sox fans should take the season off. Now especially. Like, I couldn't even name, especially with Salah, what the Red Sox starting rotation is going to be like behind Eddie Rodriguez, Eddie Rodriguez and Evaldi. I, I can't, I legitimately I can't, can't I, that, I can't do it. Um, yeah, tough, uh, tough, tough get for Red Sox fans. But they had this comment because they're scumbags and I don't like them and they're racist. I agree with all the above. A notoriously racist fan base, those Boston. That's why they got rid of Yawkey Way. And an injury across the AL East that hits home way more than Chris Sale for you and I. Rob Thomas? Not Rob Thomas. What, what even made you think of Rob Thomas? You said something. that I just, I literally said verbatim to you a few hours what I just said to you now, and you still are bringing up Rob Thomas. You said hits home. And Rob, nothing hits home quite like Rob Thomas. Little Wonders? No, what the... F- I, I, I was... It took me like three songs of separation. I thought of something... I Maybe I thought like... I went from a song to another song to Rob Thomas song. And I said, that's what's hitting home. Okay. And what what is hitting home, you may ask? It is this Aaron Judge injury saga. So I'm going to give you a full timeline from this past week. Um, Brian Cashman on Tuesday said, I don't see him ready by opening day because of the time frame. It's three and a half weeks. There's just the healing and then having to have a spring training. Cashman Wednesday said he's obviously going through a series of tests. It's not like one or two. It's a number approaching seven to ten total. So they can make sure they have a full evaluation to determine what ails him. When they're complete, we'll either be able to tell you uh, we're in the clear or we'll be able to tell you that we have a full diagnosis in the time frame and everything else like that. Uh, Cashman later expressed... Uh, He expressed on Tuesday, just circling back, uh, optimism that Judge will not require surgery. On Wednesday, when he was asked the same question, he said, I was optimistic yesterday because of how he's feeling, so I'm not going to repeat anything further than what I said yesterday until they get everything done. There's nothing more to say. Judge himself then spoke to the media Thursday. 
The goal is to always be ready for opening day. You only need about 30 at-bats to get ready for the season. I've still got plenty of time for that. If I don't get them there, I can go on the backfield. We've just got to get answers first. One day I'll wake up and the chest is feeling good. Next day, shoulder is feeling bad. Next day, the shoulder is feeling good. It's just kind of back and forth right now. I'm pretty frustrated with it. I want to be out there with my team battling and supporting them on the field. Hopefully that's why we're talking to a lot of doctors trying to get some answers. Judge said that multiple tests had already come back clean, so they were just trying to figure out what's going on. Friday, we got the diagnosis on Aaron Judge. Uh, He has a stress fracture in his first right rib and will rest for two weeks, but surgery is not off the table. The injury was suffered diving for a ball in a September game against the Angels, and I watched the replay and I texted Ryan Kenny. I was at this game, and I even remember turning to Kenny. We bought tickets because we wanted to see Mike Trout. It was Severino's first start of the season, and I remember Judge diving and coming up a little gingerly and me saying to Kenny, like, that is not what we want to see. We need him healthy for the playoffs. Um, So this has been a longstanding injury for Judge for a while. Like we said, surgery is an option, so who knows what the timetable is going to be. Um, but at a minimum, Judge is not playing opening day. So let's start with this from the Yankees' perspective. Our outfield on opening day is going to be some combination. Let's say on our DHs, it's going to be Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, and Mike Talkman. For a team that coming into the offseason, once we signed Garrett Cole, had the best odds to win the World Series, does it get any less inspiring than what I just told you? I'm a long-noted Clint Frazier hater. An even bigger Brett Gardner hater. A bigger Brett Gardner hater. And the Talkman reminds me of a different Tuckman that I know. And he... So, yeah, this fucking blows, man. You want to see Stan and Judge hitting 50 homers between them. You want to see those guys combining for 100 homers. And if they're neither of them are going to be ready opening day. I think the most interesting thing Judge said was it only takes you 30 at bats to get ready for a season. That's crazy, man. If that's the case, why is spring training a month and a half long? I agree. But that's just an interesting thing to that, – that's really what interests me. Uh, the Yankees, like, you can't do anything. It's too late. So that was going to be – You know what? There, there's one option. So though. that was going to be my first question. We're not going to make a move because we have those three guys. There's on one option. There is one option. Tyler Wade. All, that's going to be your outfield. But given Yasiel Puig is still yes, on the market, thank you. if you're the Yankees, do you at least give his agent a call and say, what's it going to cost to bring him in on a one-year deal? I would be shocked if they haven't already done that. The problem is, though, that's a roster spot then down the road when Judge and Stanton come back that you would, at a certain point, just have too many outfielders. You cut Talkman. I don't know if defensively they can afford to cut Talkman. You can. But yeah, you would send Because you have down. Judge, you have gold glove caliber outfielders in Judge and Gardner. The only thing with Talkman, to his credit, as a left-handed bat, it does bring some very much-needed balance to a extremely right-handed heavy-hitting lineup uh, now, especially that Didi Gregorius is gone. But would you rather have a lefty bat just for the sake of a lefty bat? Ooh. I would love to see Puig in New York. I think New York media, the limelight, Yankee Stadium, especially that arm and right field the Yankees... I think it would be great. I don't think it's going to happen. And 66 would give us something to talk about in but 98 days. If you want to talk from a trade perspective, a guy who I would be calling right away, and I, just, I thought of this in the elevator yesterday, why haven't the Yankees checked in on Jock Peterson at this point? Dodgers wanted to move him anyway. He's only making a little over $7 million this year. He had 35 homers last year, would still give us a left-handed bat. Um, Jewish. Jewish, leadoff guy, strong defensively, high on base guy. That's the guy who I'm maybe calling to see if the Yankees could swing and get him. Chase, that is such a good point. Thank you. I You don't have a very long elevator ride, 
So I'm happy you used your 30 seconds on this. Yeah. Because that's a good idea. That, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Back to Judge himself, though. It's got to be weird for Jock knowing that he was traded. And, and Stripling. Um, but back to Judge himself. So my first question is, are we at the point where we can just officially say Judge is an injury-prone player? Yeah, he's too big. Like I know, I know he dove for the ball, and on some level that makes it a bit of a freak injury. But well, the thing this is going to be are, you can't have three flukes. In correct. A row. This is going to be three years in a row now where he's going to have missed significant time. I, it's tough. I just as a human being, it's tough to be built that size. Yeah. And once one thing goes, everything kind of everything goes. goes. The biggest thing is in pitchers. That's why tall pitchers are. You know, the success rate is so shaky just because you have to repeat those mechanics. Except for that big unit. And Chris Sale, I guess, prior to us talking about it five minutes ago. Um, so I think Bob Gibson was a, was a really big guy also. Yeah, he was like 6'7", but strong. Chris Sale, not strong. Aaron Judge, very strong. Big unit, probably like middle of the pack. Yeah. Probably like solid build. But, so I think we can officially start to call Judge. Strasburg's tall. Strasburg's tall. Do you think, if you're the Yankees, somebody treated this, and I actually think it's a brilliant idea, given that he has now been hurt three years in a row, do you try to sign him an extension through an extension now where you assume some of the risk of him being an injury-prone player, but on the flip side, you're going to pay less for his upside should he get healthy again? I would actually, I would take caution. I would take precaution. I think too many injuries. Because the counter would be, you saw the Red Sox have to trade a player like Mookie Betts and judges the Yankees... If the judge, if the Yankees went to judge and said, "This is the number I'm going to throw out," Aaron, you've been very injury prone the past few years. We'll give you six for one fifty right now. Do you do that if you're judge, and if do you do that if you're the Yankees? Uh, that buys out arbitration for judge, right? Buys out two years of arbitration. You probably do that if you're judge because at an arbitration hearing, I think the way arbitration hearings go, if you can point to a pattern of injuries. That bodes very well for your side. and But if you're judge, you just have to hope that – judge, you bet on yourself because you know when you're there what the potential is. And you know what you can be when you piece together a full season. And that's way more than six for 150. And if you're the Yankees, you're paying Stanton all that money already. If it's not going to be judge, the face of your franchise is playing shortstop now in Glaber. So – you would, I would play it safe for them. I don't give him up any. I don't give him any money before you have to. My last thing on Judge, and this has to do with the Yankee medical staff. You know, last year we had a historic amount of people on the injury list, and to me, my question is: Look, I said this to you before the podcast. I have no idea if a rib injury, you know, is going to specifically come up on an X-ray or all these tests. You said you have to specifically be looking for it. You then later said, "I have no idea if that's true," but it does sound right to me. So I'm going to give you the medical credit there. My biggest concern, though, is... Well, especially if it's a stress fracture. A stress fracture actually wouldn't be that easy to de- identify unless you're zoned in on the specific rib. My biggest concern, though, is this is now with Judge and Severino, two consecutive franchise talents for the team where the injury has been diagnosed differently three different times. For Severino, it went from... Or for Judge, it went from shoulder to pec to now a rib injury... Severino went from forearm to shoulder to Tommy John surgery in your elbow. And to me, that's my biggest cause of concern. It's not that you aren't diagnosing these injuries quick enough. It's that when you are diagnosing them, you are severely misdiagnosing them. Well, when you think of uh, of recent sports history, what's the most famous case of this? Of a player and team medical staff not being on the same page? RG3? Uh, Kawhi. 
Oh, yeah. That was Kawhi. And he turned his back on an organization that had never lost anyone. So you got to get your medicals in order. That's just like point one of how to be a, a uh, of, and be an organization that's dealing with professional athletes whose livelihood is their bodies. If your medical staff is not to be trusted, I don't care if you're the Yankees or the Spurs. You have if you're not able to put these guys in the right uh, physical position to be on the field. There is no way anyone would ever want to play for you. And it's easy to say this because the Yankees did just get the biggest free agent pitcher in baseball history, but we're getting to the point where if I'm a free agent, I know it's the Yankees and you're going to be set up for success year after year just in terms of the talent around you. But like you just said, if I'm a player in my 30s who's deciding you know, what team to do some extent of ring chasing on, I might start to hesitate with the Yankees a little bit just because... They've proven the past two years that it's not the place for you to be at your best health-wise. No, and that's, again, your livelihood is your body. You can't take any risks with that. And going to the Yankees at this point in time seems like a risk. Two more things before we do our preview of the American League each division. Uh, One, it sounds like Andrew Miller has the yips. Um, And I think you and I, I mean, Andrew Miller... Funny Simpsons episode about the yips. Great Simpsons episode. I mean, Andrew Miller, two-time All-Star, 2016 ALCS MVP. Great that Simpsons Yankee. have hit everything. They even got the yips taken care of. Great Yankee, great Cleveland Indian, unbelievable postseason pitcher. Um, and last year, he really struggled with the Cardinals. Signed a two-year, $25 million deal in the offseason. Five and six record, four, four, five ERA. Um, if you're the Cardinals, what are you trying to do to get Andrew Miller's confidence back? Haven't pitched the pools. I don't know, man. You're say it's tough. If you have the yips, you can, have you read the Rick and Keel book? I have not. Okay, me. But I know he was. I've read the excerpts though, where he was like literally just pounding vodka, you know, before every time he pitched, just so that he would be relaxed and confident out there on the mat. I'm guessing that's not the advice we should give Andrew Miller. No, I mean, look, I think it's something... Is that the advice we should give Andrew? No. I'm all for it. I think it's something you got to just work through. It's just, you know, anytime you see a guy who you've seen be so consistently successful in the past, and all of a sudden something, you know, the flip switches somehow where he just has no feel for his pitches or any feel for command, that to me, if you're a pitcher, is the scariest thing, that one day you could just wake up and not be injured at all, and it's just, you can't do it anymore. Yeah, that's... um. I don't know. I was about to go. I was trying to make a very bizarre joke about like when you wake up in bed next to your wife and you just don't love her anymore. Mm, I don't think they're necessarily related. I've been there. <laughs> All right. I'm going to save these ESPN mic ups to the end. It's weird. You just don't love her anymore. It's like, come on. I'm going to save this ESPN mic ups for the end because there's a few funny uh, one liners in here. But let's do our preview of the American League. Um, da, 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 da. So AL East standings last year in order: Yanks 103 and 59, Rays for 96 and 66, Red Sox 84 and 78, Blue Jays 67 and 95, Orioles 54 and 108. But um, I believe they hit, and I think that Orioles hit the under in Vegas. Yeah, I think it was 59 and a half. Because I don't think Vegas could justify. I don't think Bovada could justify putting a line any lower. So in terms of moves, Yankees. Uh, the big move was Garrett Cole. They lost Didi Gregorius and Dallin Batances. Um, the Red Sox have done very, very little. Um, they brought back, uh, they signed Kevin Pillar. Um, they made the Mookie Betts trade, which we've talked about ad nausea, so I'm not going to get into it anymore. And honestly, that's really all I could think of. Hunjin Ryu. Hunjin Ryu went to the Blue Jays. Uh, I thought you were doing the whole East wrap up. I, I am. 
or I'm going division team you, by team. You skipped the Rays. I did skip the Rays. You're right. Uh, the Rays they traded Tommy Pham. Um, they got Hunter Renfro and uh, Goose's boy in that trade. Uh, and Jose, Mar- they made a trade for Jose Martinez with the Cardinals. They gave up Matt Liebertorn, uh, one of their top pitching prospects. Um, they added a lot of bats this offseason, which is weird. Um, they signed the one Asian outfielder whose name eludes me right now. And this for the Rays, um, I mean, their team's pretty much intact from last year, so credit to them. Blue Jays, I think, had the biggest splash of any team in the division. Minus um, the Yanks. C- I would say in terms of top to bottom. The Yankees had the single biggest move, but the Blue Jays needed a ton of pitching. They got an ace in Ryu. Chase Anderson and Tanner Roark, I think, are very solid middle of the rotation arms. Uh, And the Orioles actually got worse. They lost Jonathan Scope um, and Jonathan Villar, who were two of their only bright spots. So the Orioles are going to be real, real bad this year. Um, I think the Yankees are going to win this division, but I'm curious for you to then tell me, you know, let's say the Yankees at the top, Orioles at the bottom. How would you sandwich in between? Yanks. Blue Jays. I think I, I like a lot of their moves, and I think their young pieces come up. Rays three, Red Sox four. So I would go Yankees. I, to me, the Rays are going to win 95 games this year. They won 96 games last year, I think, in a lot of ways. They retooled. Blake Snell is going to be fully healthy this year. Um, they have... Um, Brent Honeycutt, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, he's going to be healthy. Shane Bass is coming up the pipeline. You're going to get a full, healthy year of Tyler Glass now. And again, I just think a very good young core that, you know, similar to that last Rays team that in 2008, it reminds me a lot of them where you had Matt Garza, Scott Casimir, and then, you know, offensively it was Carl Crawford, Ben Zobris, this young core that grew up together. Um, so I have them in second. B.J. Upton was on that team. B.J. Upton, a huge part of it. Red Sox I have in fourth. Again, if we can't name... Three starting pitchers on the Boston Red Sox. That's a big problem. Uh, I'm going to go the Blue Jays in third, but I do think they will be in contention for a wild card. We're going to do our full playoff picks in a few weeks. Uh, and I agree with what you said. I, I just think this lineup, you know, Randall Gritchuk is a sneaky 30-homer guy. I think Bichette and Biggio are really solid up the middle. Bichette is a table setter. I think Biggio is going to be a high OBP 20-homer uh, second baseman for a while. I think Danny Jansen, catcher, starts to make the jump a little bit this year. The biggest thing for them is going to be is Vlad does Vlad Junior. Jr. make the jump in year two? Yeah, because the bullpen's good. Ken Giles, Ken Giles, Ken Giles has reproven that I think he is an elite closer in the MLB. Uh, the rotation this year is as deep as it ever is, um, and eventually they're going to bring up Nate Pearson, who throws straight gas once they manipulate his service time. So the pitching staff will be solid. Uh, it's just a matter of you know I think Bichette, Biggio, a lot of those young guys are solid players. They need Vlad Junior. to become the guy who was the number one prospect in baseball. He was solid last year. Um, but and I think that coming, power in the home run derby. Correct. But I think coming into the year, everybody assumed he had the AL Rookie of the Year on lock. I don't remember who won it. Alvarez. Al- Alvarez put up the kind of year that I think everybody thought Vlad Jr. was going to have. True. But I think he just waited. He waited his time. It's tough being that with that much pressure. I, I would He's younger than I am. Uh, I think so. Or he's around my age. And if people expected me to live up to my... If my dad was Vlad Guerrero, he's not. <laughs> he's not. Um, but that's a lot of pressure to put on a young kid. And again, that's the only team in the country. He's from that. He was born in that country. So there's a lot of that, that going on. I think year two will make a massive leap. I agree. So moving to the Central, Twins, 101 and 61. They went out. 
Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill, Homer Bailey made a huge splash offensively getting Josh Donaldson. Um, they went 101 and 61. Indians 93 and 69. Traded Corey Kluber for Delano DeShields Jr. And as of now, have not replaced Puig. Have still not replaced Puig. Um, who was the relief pitcher they traded for as well in that trade? Uh, I'm not sure at all. He was somebody somebody solid. Um, but offensively, did not make a ton of moves. Um, not Brad Hand. They still uh, Emmanuel Chase was a reliever. Um, he's got one of the best. Oh, the Kluber chain. One of the best cutters in the game, they say. Uh, so the Indians didn't do a ton of upgrades, but again, still have Lindor. I think Jose Ramirez is going to bounce back and look like second half superstar Jose Ramirez. Carlos Santana was starting first baseman in the All Star game last year, uh, and you still have Shea Bieber and Clevenger once he comes back on top of your rotation. Carlos Carrasco, you know, a few year, uh, full year removed from beating cancer. Uh, the White Sox were 72 and 89. I mean, we just talked about how the White Sox had an offseason for the ages. Royals 59 and 103. AL reigning AL home run champ Jorge Soler. The reigning AL home run champ Jorge Soler. Tigers 47 and 114. That's horrendous. But they made some like solid around the edges moves. CJ Crone, Jonathan Scope to help make their team a little more respectable. Um, so let me ask you this: Royals or Tigers? I think the Tigers are going to be in last. Royals in fourth. We agree on that. Unless Soler hits 162 bombs. How do you order Twins, Indians, White Sox? I would have put the White Sox on top had the Twins not signed Donaldson. But I think Donaldson to the Twins keeps them on top. The White Sox, with all the moves they have done, they jump up to two. And then they traded Kluber. That's a mad... They, 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 traded, got, they got very little in return. They, they, the they didn't thing. get enough back for Kluber, and I don't know if Lindor lasts the full season in Cleveland. So pencil them in for third. I'm going to go with um, – I don't agree with you, actually. I just think the Indians, the pitching as deep as it is and with their farm system, I just don't think it is what it used to be. Um, as much as I love Bieber, you know, I think he's a legit ace, Bieber and Clevenger – when you have those two backed by Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber, that's a huge difference. Now when they're three four and not now it's they're backed yet. by you know Carrasco, both Hellstair, uh, and Zach Plesac. Good, know. good pitcher, good pitcher. But those, they're solid pitchers. It's not like when they had four aces coming into last year, um, and their offense I just don't think is going to be very good. Well, that yeah. So like I said, Lindor may not last the season. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I, and I think the White Sox, I mean, the rotation with Kopesh back, Kopesh, Giolito, Keiko, Gio Gonzalez, I think that's a very solid one through four. It's an unbelievable one. Bullpens. If, if Giolito and Kopesh reach their ceiling, that is arguably, they're arguably the best one two in baseball. They have that sort of, I see them with that sort that of upside. A lot of upside. Bullpens, real solid. Lineup is super deep now. Um, I mean, they have two all star catchers on their team. How many teams can say that? One. Ever. Honestly, ever. Um, did Russell Martin ever make an all-star team? Because I think him and Jorge may have over... And Russell Martin definitely made an all-star team. Yeah, we'll call it Russell Martin and Jorge. And then Jorge but it was tail and Jorge. These are guys who both made the all-star team a year ago. People say that Jorge never aged. His ears were always big, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the White Sox in second. And, and I just think the Twins, I mean, they won 101 games. I think that in this division, given how bad the Royals and Tigers are, I think the floor for them is 100 games, honestly. That lineup, okay. that lineup was so good last year. Byron Buxton's coming back. He added Josh Donaldson who over the past decade. has been one of the best offensive players in the game, period. And the biggest thing for me is, you know, their rotation last year, 
they were throwing out an opener game too in the Yankees. Now you go into a playoff series with, you know, assuming everyone's healthy, which again is a big if. But and with Pineda's not. Pineda will be back, not suspended. Barrios, Odorizzi, Michael Pineda, Rich Hill, Homer Bailey, and Maeda. Did I say Maeda twice? No. I mean, those are like say it again. Those are six guys with big game experience. You did not say Maeda twice. And come postseason, you throw. You know, you probably give Rich Hill a start because he's got he's a lefty and he's got the big game experience. So you're throwing potentially Homer Bailey and Maeda back into the bullpen, or Homer Bailey and Pineda. I like. Dude, I picked them to win it. I just did. I think the Twins could be the sneaky pick out of the American League. They just need to dodge playing the Yankees in the first round. Which uh, I guess we can get to with our next round and see how that all stacks up. Moving to the American League West, uh, to me, this is still the easiest division to pick. I don't. I'm going to take the. Uh, I'm going to do it. Astros 107 and 55. Uh, their biggest move was that they lost Garrett Cole and got out of his cheaters. But they're going to get a full year of Jose Arquiti, who was great in the postseason against the Yankees, and Lance McCullers is back. So you put those two, not with, even close to replacing Garrett Cole. No, I'm not going to say that. Okay. But you put those two with Greg and Berlander, you saw a very above average rotation. Okay. It's yes. still the that is true. Yes, that's unbelievable. A's 97 and 65. I can't think of any really, even like around the edges moves the A's made that they usually did. They probably did. I think they, tra- they traded Jerickson Profar to the Padres. Without reporting it, they probably um, found the next greatest player. But again, I mean, you look at their infield. They have three of their four infielders are, out, are all-stars. It's what you want. I mean, Matt Chapman, you can make an argument. Matt Chapman and Matt Olson are the best at their positions in the American League. at third Defensively. Stars. Even the whole package, maybe. Rendon's out in the... That is true. I forgot right now. Is now in the American League. Marcus Simeon last year, top three finisher in the MVP voting. Um, yeah, Simeon did come. That, that sneaky third place MVP showing. Mariners sixty eight and ninety four. You agree they're going to be in last? I think they may be the worst team in baseball. Angels seventy two and ninety. They got Rendon. They got Julio Tehran. Dylan Bundy. But again, I just don't think they're as much as they're going to hit the ball. I do not think they are going to be that much better of a team. I think they're going to win the division. Okay. I would take the Angels. At, I think if you're looking for a fun Bovada prop bet, Angels to win the AL West. Because, look, you got Trout. He has, as great as Pujols was, he has not been that Pujols since he got to Anaheim. He has, and as great as Justin Upton is, Mike Trout has not had another player in the lineup the caliber of Anthony Rendon his entire career. MLB Network ranked Anthony Rendon the sixth best player in baseball. And if you're rolling out a lineup with two of the top six players, you're going to win some games. And you don't know what the hell Houston's going to be. They have all the talent there, but the season could wear on them. They could be kind of checked out. So give me Anaheim to win the division. I still think Houston's going to win the division. I think Houston's going to be in first. I think Oakland's going to be in second. I, I, I think the Angels' ceiling is third place. That's my opinion. I don't know what the Rangers are going to look like this year. But they're a team I want to highlight right now because Mike Miner and Lance Lynn both finished in the top 10 of the Cy Young voting last year. They added Corey Kluber. They added Kyle Gibson. This rotation is legit. Does their offense have a ton of superstars? No. But Joey Gallo can match with the best of them. Elvis Andrews is going to be his usual steady stealth. Chirinos can hit a catcher. You know, I don't know if this team has enough offense to really get going, but that pitching staff could really make some noise in my mind. Balls fly out in Texas in the news. Even though they are moving into a new stadium, so I'll reserve judgment. But notoriously down there, Dallas, balls fly with the humidity. So I just don't trust them. As much as I love Kluber, I think 
that's more past performance than future projection. He's coming off injuries. He's been injured a lot lately. I know it was just a broken arm, but still, I feel like he's constantly injured. That lineup doesn't really do it for me. And the pitchers, yeah, they had three top 10 Cy Young guys, but I'm still looking at very average across the board. My final pick, I'm going to go, I actually think it's going to be in order last year. Astros, A's, Rangers, Angels, Mariners. I just think as good as their lineup is, and I think Otani is an ace, but he's going to be limited just, A, coming back to Tommy John surgery, but B, given his status as a two-way player. After Otani, you're going into Houston. They got Verlander, Granke, McCullers lineup. Who are you throwing out after Otani? Tehran. Tehran and Griff Canning. And Bundy. Andrew Haney. Tell me another li- – this is a trick question. Tell me another lineup in the AL that is two of the top six players. Dude, I'm with you. Their lineup is incredible. I mean, you look at the whole – look at the whole – But look thing. at the Yankees last year. Look at the Yankees last year. Who were the Yankees – what was the Yankees pitching staff last I year? I agree. The difference is the Yankees last year had a historically dominant bullpen. Can you name me one relief pitcher on the Angels right now? Well, once Tehran gets kicked out of the rotation, maybe. I know they're closer, Hansel Robles. That's about it for me. Oh, Hansel Robles ended up over there? Yeah. Good for him. So that's what I mean. I know what you mean. I mean, the lineup, Rendon, All-Star, Simmons, Stud, Tommy LaStella made the All-Star team. Pools will stumble into 25 home runs. You got Upton. You got Trout. Um, Brian Goodwin can hit out there. It's just... Uh, to me, as I'll much just, as they're I will match, take the chance that their offense carries them. Okay. And I, I do. Want, would you agree or disagree that it is a? Because I'm sure the odds on Bovada are terrible. Would you agree that it is a smart bet in Bovada? Yeah, you throw ten bucks. It's a ten dollar. You throw it? the ten dollar hail mary and you get one less beer next week. Those are my thoughts on it. Um, I think we're on the same page. We're agreeing to disagree, but constructively. Same, same, but different. Could not agree more. A um, couple things real quick just before we wrap up. ESPN players were mic'd up, um, and this is something I think they need to bring into the regular season. It is so much fun. Uh, the first thing, this isn't a player, but A-Rod in the booth. I just love A-Rod going after the Astros. He said, you cheat, you win a championship. There's no suspension, and then there's no remorse. The last one is probably the worst one. From a guy who's made as many mistakes as anybody on the big stage, on the biggest stage, I served the longest suspension in MLB history. It cost me well over $35 million. And you know what? I deserve that. I came back. I owned it after acting like a buffoon for a long time. I had my apologies, and then I went dark. I wanted my next move to be contrite and change my narrative. You have to be accountable. I felt the hatred from the people, and I earned it. Good for A-Rod. Like, that to me, of any criticism we've had of the Astros, packs the most punch. Because he's somebody who did apologize, and we've said it for a while. If you had said in 2014 that A-Rod would be this beloved media and public figure, we would have said, you're crazy. But he apologized, he played, and now he's A-Rod again. He's the best version of A-Rod. He really is. He really is. And what he said is perfect. He nailed it. Because he has been... He's done his fair share of wrongdoings. He's done his misdeeds. And, you know, whatever A-Rod's PR team, the Astros should have hired A-Rod. The Astros probably should have just hired A-Rod. A-Rod Corp. If they if if they had fucking said anything along those lines, it's over. Or just anything with sincerity. Do you know how how much easier it would have been if the Astros said, "Look, we messed up. We're sorry. 
Yeah, if they, as long as they didn't do go all South Park BP on them. A couple other quick hitters. Uh, Zach Britton going after uh, the Red Sox saying, you guys got the Red Sox on this broadcast. They know what's coming. Are you feeding them anything? Um, gotta love Dominic Smith going after his own teammate. Tim Kirkjian was asking J.D. Davis uh, if he ever looks at a cheat sheet for positioning since he's an infielder who plays the outfield. And Dominic Smith said, J.D. has a ton of cheat sheets. You know what I'm saying. Always fun to uh, go after your teammates. Pete Alonzo was dropping F-bombs that were caught live on air, which was great. Um, but the highlight of everything I would have to say was Rizzo and Chris Bryant for the Cubs. Anthony Rizzo, when he was up at the bat, um, count was 2-2. He said, trying to do some math, what's coming? Jessica Mendoza said, what do you think? And he said, I have no idea. Can somebody bang for me? Referring to a trash can. Um, he's talking about, while he's in the field, how he used to heckle the commentator now commentator, Chipper Jones, when he was a fan. Um, Chris Bryant, you've seen Rookie of the Year, right? We watched it together. We did watch it together. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, when he hits. Chris Bryant did that live at plate. Um, You heard him hit a foul ball down the line. He's yelling, get fair, get fair. That was a fastball early on. Now I'm tired. And when he popped up, he said, "Uh, these are the worst. I have to run these out. And it was just pretty cool. It was just cool to see the sincerity. And if Rob Manfred wants to make steps to make baseball more marketable and more popular, this is what he needs to do. I mean, they could do something like this. You wouldn't want to have... The NFL does. They have a couple guys mic'd up, but that's a once-a-week thing. Would this get old if you did it every game? Probably, but in a minimum, it'll be something fresh. They, could do it on, yeah, they should work with ESPN, just doing all the ESPN games. Make it a Sunday night thing. Yeah. I, I Or just... Sunday, do it Sunday and Wednesday night baseball. They should have it. ESPN games, someone on both sides is getting mic'd up. There you go. That's not oversaturating us with this content. It is just a perfect amount. It's an ESPN special deal. You can get more money out of ESPN for it. Every, it's a win-win. If you're listening, Rob. If you're listening, Rob, we're not cursing you off this time. We're just giving you some good ideas. I'll give one Rob one one little compliment. Can I cur- stop? I might curse him off then. Um, he did. He said in his tweet that I'm happy to meet with any players. And oh, he did do that. Yeah, and he did. did meet with Trevor Bauer, and Bauer said they had a very productive conversation. Yeah, I like that. That's what you want: accountability and openness from your leader. Any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Well, big week for birthdays here. I'll let you take it from there. Happy birthday to our producer. Sam Beck, Beck turned 24, 25 last night. And fun fact, he's still a virgin. Probably fake news, but... We'll see how close he's listening. In case it's not, um, Sam, we're rooting for you at your birthday tonight. Uh, Alex Spector, co-founder of the podcast, he too turns 25. It was a very big week for that division in camp and that grade in Westport in terms of births. Happy birthday to you both. Send them lots of love. Yeah, I won't send as much as love is chase, but the same sentiment applies. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Bedorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show.